Hi, I'm Ryan Barnes. And I'm Anakin Barnes. This is the Barnes Boys Podcast. We're both big movie fans. And we're both actors. We watch movies through different lenses. You see, my dad grew up in the 80s in a very conservative environment in California. While my son here goes to high school at a fine art school in liberal British Columbia. Each week we watch a different movie. And discuss it through the different perspectives we bring to the table. Since I've been born, CGI and quick cuts were the norm. Well, all we had were practical effects and converted theater actors. So sit back, relax, grab some popcorn, and enjoy the show. Alright, so this time we have uh, the movie called This Is Spinal Tap, made in 1984 with the cast of Christopher Guest, Michael McKean, Harry Shearer, and Rob Reiner. And it was also directed by Rob Reiner and written by Christopher Guest, Michael McKean, Harry Shearer, and Rob Reiner. Spinal Tap, one of England's, England's loudest bands, is chronicled by film director Marty DeBerge on what proves to be a fateful tour. So um, it's, it's, we see that it's written by all of the, the main cast right there. Mm-hmm. The reason for that is is 99% of the movie is improv. So I I thought I picked up on that. It seemed like it was mm-hmm. improv. Yeah, genius, right? Mm-hmm. So it was really. So we'll, we'll talk about that more more in a little bit. But uh, but that was one of the that was re- one of the really cool things. And they um, Rob Reiner pushed to to get this um, get all of the cast, like even even the the extras and like the manager and, mm-hmm. and uh, push to get them all credited as writers. Um, so they get writing credit for, for whatever Hollywood um, cir- circles that they're in. Um, yep. But, but they got pushed back on that and only, only the four, the four main ones got, got credit for it, but, but everybody was making up their lines for it. Oh, wow. So that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so actually that was kind of a first piece of trivia. So let's move into the rest of the trivia. Um, so the, the actors, all of the actors that played in the band were all accomplished musicians and they're the ones actually playing for the soundtrack. Um, they, they went on tour after this movie Mm -hmm. as spinal tap and, and they played a bunch of places. Um, they've released a, released a, at least one, maybe two albums, um, just um, just as as themselves as the as the band. They 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 opened for themselves once, as uh, <laughs> as that. If you remember in in the movie, they they were that folky kind of that folky sixties mm-hmm. with a, a different name. It started with an R. I, for, I forgot the name. I didn't write it down. But they opened for themselves as that band. Oh wow! <laughs> so, um, I did that too. My my band, we opened for for ourselves once as a bluegrass band. We were playing playing a show and um, and we brought brought our extra instruments and we actually raided uh, the costume department at the at the church we were playing at mm. and got some overalls and and uh, straw hats and nice. stuff like that. And we opened for ourselves as a bluegrass band. Did a did a twenty minute set. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, sounds so, like it. Um, Several several rock stars. This is kind of a long one, but I, I didn't want to mess it up, so I copied and pasted it. Yep. Several rock stars have commented on what an uncannily accurate spoof of the rock and heavy metal world this film was. Ozzy Osbourne said when he first watched the film, he was the only person who wasn't laughing because he thought it was a real documentary <laughs> because it was it was so accurate to what he's seen and experienced. Um, 
the guitarist for U2, The Edge, said, I didn't laugh. I wept. It was so close to the truth. <laughs> uh, Marillion had five drummers in the space of a year between their first two albums, which guitarist Steve Rothery later admitted was like Spinal Tap. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. The trivia... Oh, much of the dialogue was ad-libbed. I I mentioned that already. Yeah. The IMDb ranking for this movie shows a special scale from 1 to 11. Although users can still only choose a rating from 1 to 10. That's funny. Uh, J.K. Rowling, author of the Harry Potter book series, cited this movie's inspiration for the unfortunate events that cause all defense against the dark arts teachers at Hogwarts to leave the job before completing a full school, school year. Huh. <laughs> so that's, that's very cool. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that, uh, that brings us to the end of our trivia. If there's any other... Any other trivia facts that you know of about this movie, uh, message us. Message us. We want to see it at uh, barnesboys.ca. Um, with that, I think we're going to take a quick little break, and we're going to move on to impressions and memories. All right. Here we are with our impressions and memories. And Anakin, hey. you're going to kick us off today with uh, with your first impressions of this movie and, and take us through that journey. Because I, I enjoyed sitting next to you and watching that happen. So so go for it. I'm going to be 100% honest. I'm not a fan. Okay. It was funny. Mm-hmm. I didn't quite get most of the jokes that you were dying, dying on. But okay. I... It, it just wasn't for me. It, I was kind of bored. Oh, it, all right. Um, yeah. It, I was confused at the start whether it was real or not. Um, listening to the lyrics, I'm like, are these real lyrics? But, but also it's, I don't know. I just wasn't a fan of this one. All right. And that's, that's fair. Um, I, I would say that, uh, that, some of the things that, that I saw are from my own experiences too, which, which right. made it funny to me. But, uh, but let's, let's talk about that, that, that transition for you that, that went from, um, wait, this is, a, this is not a real, you know, this going from, this is a real documentary to this is not real anymore. Mm-hmm. So what, what was that like? Um, or, or what did you see? I forget which line it was, but it was about 15 minutes into the, um, into it. And I was one, one of the lines was just so realistically bizarre. (laughs) I don't think there's any, a better way to phrase that, but it, it's, it was that it was so bizarre to the point where it's like, it could have actually been real. Mm -hmm. And then I remember turning to you and asking, wait, is this real? Right. And because it was, it was filmed like a documentary and mm. what my thoughts of a documentary in the eighties looked like, uh, especially <laughs> the opening. Sure. Um, and spinal tap. I, there are so many bands out there and it seemed, I think it was so well done for someone my age to be like spinal tap. Oh, okay. That's another eighties rock band. Mm-hmm. I think it was done well enough to make it seem real that people in my generation could think, oh, that's a real band. Sure. 
Sure. And you, you wouldn't know Rob Reiner's face anyway. No. Yeah, I mean, you, you know his work. You've seen Princess Bride. You, you've mm-hmm. seen some of his movies, but, but you wouldn't recognize his face. So, I, so that makes sense as well. Yeah. Um, you weren't the only one. And it's not just, it's not just because of your, your age. Um, in the 80s, it was a big thing where, where a lot of people didn't realize that it was a joke, that it, mm. that it was fake, um, even after seeing the movie. And then, as, as we mentioned um, in the trivia, that, that musicians just identified with it so closely that some of them didn't even realize that it was, that it was fake. Right. Um, when, the, when I first heard of it and first saw it, I, I, didn't, I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that was in the early '90s for me, but um, I had heard of Spinal Tap, but I just knew that they were they were some uh, some rock band, and mm. so I thought that uh, I thought that this was just a movie about them, and it was it, how it was explained to me was it was is it's a funny movie about the band Spinal Tap, and. So I thought, okay, this is a real band, mm-hmm. and they just made a comedy movie, right? Um, because I've seen other other movies like that. You're, you're not familiar with the monkeys, but the monkeys had a were were a, a quartet or yeah, a quartet that had a TV show that was a comedy show. And the Beatles, they they did a movie like it's called Yellow Submarine or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but. It it wasn't uncommon, and so for me, I thought it was a real band. I thought I it see. was, um, it was just a doc, like you, a documentary. And then, and then, it was kind of funny to me. And then it started to get funnier because because I was like, um, I was, wait, is this real? That's how does that's that's so weird. That's so bizarre. And then, mm-hmm. and then it's, I don't remember when at some point I, I understood that it was a joke. And then I went back to the beginning and watched it again yep. and enjoyed it a lot more because, because it was funnier to me. I see. Um, but that's the memories that, that I have of it. And I've, I've seen it, I've seen it come up in, in different places like, um, playing guitar hero. Um, one of, one of the songs, um, like it was a, a bonus stage was it was one of the spinal tap songs. And then you can, you could that big skull with the horns comes mm. down and you can unlock one of the characters. So, okay. um, so, um, I think I remember, I remember spinal tap coming up in church. Uh, if you remember, I went to, I went to a very large, but very, cons- uh, very conservative church in, right in the eighties and nineties. And, mm. and so there was a, there was a lot of these, these Sunday night guest speakers where they just, they just, um, completely, um, shot down any sort of pop culture, uh, reference or, or anything mm. that, that they didn't understand that didn't fit with, with that, that role, like, um, like cartoons, the Smurfs, He-Man, yeah. uh, rock music and, mm. And, uh, it, it was almost like footloose with that, but, um, <laughs> but I remember Spinal Tap being mentioned as, as one of the bands, there was, there was Metallica and Spinal Tap and all of these heavy metal and, and it was, you know, whatever I, I didn't, at that point I still hadn't seen the movie. And so, right. and so for me, that's what I had in my head was, was that this was just some death metal band. Okay. So anyway, um, so I, that's it from my impression. So we, we've got through, 
Well, we've got a little bit into that. I actually, I don't, I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I should cut this part out, but I will probably won't. Um, <laughs> so we're going to take another quick break, and then we're going to get into our meet the viewpoints here. All righty. So our, we're in our viewpoints now, and... And I think it's going to be a little bit one-sided because during the break, Anakin had mentioned that he doesn't have a lot of notes for this one because, because as he said during uh, during the impressions, he was a bit bored by this movie. Um, but I have I have a couple pages of notes. So if you don't mind listening to me, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll go through uh, I'll go through what I've what I saw and what I picked out watching this again. Yeah. Um, my first note is, is the old MGM lion, um, which you don't see very much anymore. Right. And that's, that's pretty cool. I, I grew up with that being a huge part of a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, nowadays you have so many different film studios and, and movies coming from, from everywhere. Yep. Um, when I was younger, there were very few. And so, so you would often see that you'd see that for for Rocky, for James Bond, for Wizard of Oz. Um, oops, um, and so uh, I I was pretty excited to see that. Um, I was laughing because they were introduced as England's loudest band. That they have that distinction. Yeah, any band can be loud. You just turn the volume up or down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's these. It, th- this movie is just chock full of subtle humor mm-hmm. where if you're not paying attention and, and not, tr- it's very intelligent. We talked to, actually we talked about that a bit um, with clue is, right. is the, that subtle uh, almost British comedy, even though all the American, all the actors are American. Um, they, they all, they played to that British humor. That's, that's something I, I was thinking about watching the movie with uh, what's his name? Uh, Michael McKean. Mm-hmm. His British accent from the American who has rarely interacted with British people was spot on. So I was, <laughs> I was confused because I've seen him and we saw him in Clue and right. we saw him in this. I was like, is he British doing a really good American accent or American doing a really good British accent? Right. So I was confused. So on that note, um, speaking of their, their voices, Harry Shearer who you had such a difficult time saying right. when we were getting ready for this show, Harry Shearer um, was in The Simpsons. Actually, the, the whole band was in The Simpsons for an episode, but mm. Harry Shearer was was Principal Burns and, uh, or not Principal Burns, Mr. Burns and Principal Skinner and three or four other voices too. Oh, okay. So he was a big part of that show yeah. as well. Uh, I think he died last year. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, the they're so they're talking they're talking about their band name and and this was another one of the, the subtle pieces and I think this was before you realized that it was it was not a real documentary but they they called themselves the originals and then they found another band called the originals so they said <laughs> the new originals which is the <laughs> irony is that's not original at all um, <laughs> and so uh, just the comedy is so subtle and during that during that whole that whole scene. They're just saying things that are cracking me up. Like the authorities said, it was somebody that uh, that died, and he said the authorities said we best it's best to leave that one unsolved. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And they choked on choked on vomit. It was somebody else's vomit. They don't know whose vomit it was. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the that was actually the point where where you turned to me and you asked, "Is this real?" Oh, uh, <laughs> was that the point? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I wrote it down there. Um. So it was a great, this was a great mirror of 80s rock bands from everything that, now in the 80s, I, I wasn't old enough to go to rock concerts. Mm-hmm. Um, what little I, I saw was just from MTV, but it looked exactly like, um, this band looked exactly like what I pictured them to be. And that's what a lot of people felt mm-hmm. too. And again, remember, this was before the internet. Right. So, so there was very limited video coverage of rock concerts. Uh, so if you hadn't been to one, you had no idea. Right. Um, and now if there's a concert, it's the entire concert is on everybody's Instagram story. Right. Exactly. That's, that's the one thing I don't, I, I don't miss about the old life before COVID is having to skip through everybody's story who went to the same concert. Right. Having to skip through the, Two hours worth of Instagram stories. Right. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I'll admit that when I was at, uh, I was at Camp Mars and I was, I was there with 30 Seconds to Mars and, and they were doing their show. Mm-hmm. I, instead of just enjoying the show, I pulled out my phone and I snapped some, some shots of that too, yeah. instead of just enjoying the moment. Um, I, I did force myself to put my phone away at some point because mm-hmm. they are my absolute favorite band and yeah. I, and I wanted to be in the moment, but I also wanted to capture it too. It, well, it was difficult not to. Yes. That's, that's the, that's the idea because yes, you can take pictures and, um, and capture that moment, whether it's on a camera or on your phone or mm-hmm. on your whatever, so you could relive and remember that moment for eternity, but when you're recording the whole concert, it's right. it's a bit much. Sure, sure, that's true, that's true. And if you're that person who brings an iPad to a concert or your kid's performance or your nephew's performance or whatever, and holds it up to record it, uh, therefore blocking anybody else behind you from seeing their kids or nephew's <laughs> performance, you are the a hole. Just so you so you know, if you were if you had any question about that, you are the a hole, right? So um, that that said, my our line in the sand is drawn. So <laughs> um, one thing I have here is um, when the like the critics uh, and the reviews are coming in about the band. From what I picked up, I could be hundred percent wrong on this, um, but this is what I just picked up is. The reviews are basically saying that this is the worst band imaginable. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. And they're all taking it as like positive notes and everything. Right. Well, no, they were, and that was another piece of subtle humor too. They were just they were just making they were trying to laugh it off and and that that was a very meta well, no meta's the wrong word, but but that was a very layered joke. I mean, it, the funny part was was the ins- the insults that come to them, but um, they were playing it off as as trying to absorb it and laugh it off and still be okay with it too. Mm. Um, and again, remembering that this is all uh, this is improv at this point, yeah. so they're just taking it and going with it. And I thought that was very clever myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're talking about them being the the worst band 
but they also had had that issue with the the album cover and yeah. and so what they had um a section that Sears and Kmart weren't going to carry the album anymore which you don't really think about now it's like okay whatever two two to stores yeah. but it was a huge huge deal because there weren't a lot of record stores yeah. there weren't a lot of a lot of department stores that that had music there wasn't a target back then there wasn't yeah. um there wasn't like the warehouse or Tower Records or anything like that. Uh, you couldn't get it online. You you couldn't get it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, you could only go to the stores that, that that sold these things. And so that was that was a really huge deal, which which you wouldn't think about. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Sears, Sears, Sears. Yeah, rest in peace, Sears. Yeah. Um, they had there was a scene. Um, Early or a little, a little bit early on, where where Nigel had cold sores, um, which are which are a sign of herpes. You had a note about that. Yeah, I. Okay. You know, the note about it is herpes? Question mark. Yeah. So Nigel had had it, and then in a later scene, they all had it. Yeah, I so, saw that. <laughs> so there's a little joke of of well, bands share things. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> um, uh, the the food situation. Mm. Um, with the little platters and the the mini bread and the big, uh, the yes. big deli, I thought that part was really funny. That was taken. That was actually taken from, and I didn't write it down, but I read it in in trivia today. That was taken from um, another another band, and I wish I remembered who that uh, that they made a big deal and and required all of the brown M and M's to be taken out of the bowl. Hmm. Uh, I, I want to say it was Metallica, but but I'm not. That doesn't. That might not be correct. But I, I I read about it today, and it's a band. It's it was a band that that you would be familiar with. Yeah. Um. But uh, but the joke was just all of the demands that these divas mm. and and I wrote him a note about that as well. The demands yeah. that these divas make. Um. So, let's see. Actually, that was my next note. Now <laughs> <laughs> that I look at it. Um. I don't know if you if you notice because you're you're not a musician, but in in their songs and all of the songs, the chords never resolve at the end. Like you you get to um, you get to the end of every song and it's da 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 da. You never get that. It's da 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 da. It it it. it Hmm. The chord structure is different, so there should be something that comes after that chord, but it doesn't. So. I wouldn't have noticed. <laughs> I, I noticed that on the first song is like, oh, that just it doesn't sit right with me. And then every song after that, I, I started paying attention to it. Mm. Um, let's see. The uh, oh, we we talked about this a little bit. The Marshall, the Marshall amp goes up to eleven. So you've you've heard the phrase before. This one goes to eleven, and uh, and that that all started with this movie. Yeah. Um, and it's it's become a very common phrase and a very very common um, common joke mm-hmm. of, of taking it one taking it one beyond. And Marshall even did a limited release amp uh, oh, nice. for for them that that went up to eleven. Yeah, I have a that. note about that. It's um, the the line. Well, well, it's one louder, right? I, I don't know why, <laughs> but the phrasing of that line is just hilarious. Well, oh yeah, it's one louder. Yeah, that, the first time I, I saw this, I think I had tears in my eyes for for that that same conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, the 
let's see, Ian, Ian, the manager, mm. his office, his office had all of those wood panels, uh, like wood panel with with frames on there, but it's yeah. white these wide wood panels. And they weren't they weren't planks like like cool farmhouse. They were mm-hmm. it was it was like a this finished wood panels, and so in the eighties there were a lot of there were a lot of these uh, these after school TV shows that they're basically sitcoms, mm-hmm. but a lot of them had had kids in it or or high schoolers or, but. Every time there was a very special episode of Facts of Life or Different Strokes or something like that mm-hmm. that involved a child molester, they always had these these wooden plank these uh, wooden panel walls that looked just like that. Huh. And I, that has nothing to do with this movie. It, it was just a style in the eighties. But uh, but every time I see that, I, I revert back to a very special episode of Different Strokes mm. um, and these wood panel walls. There's actually there's actually a house um, when. Um, when we were in looking looking for a house uh, at one point to to buy, the basement had these wood panel walls, and I couldn't get past that. And I said, "No, that's some child molester house. I'm not going to live here. I'm not going to buy this house." Right. So, um, let's see. Um, the interview, like the questioning in the bathtub. <laughs> or remind me what you're what you're talking about. Uh, I forget who who's being questioned, but um, as in a documentary, everybody's like questioned and oh, that was the drummer, yeah, yeah, yeah. the drummer being interviewed in the bathtub. That's so weird, <laughs> right? Like your only peacetime when it comes to a documentary crew, and you're just hi, um, got some questions for you. <laughs> you know it that. That didn't even stand out to me, uh, but now that you say it, yeah, that that's it's weird. And the it's, funnier thing is that it was so like nonchalant. It was just right. It was very. It, they played it off so well. It was just like okay, yeah, mm-hmm. they're just in the bathtub and just answering these questions. Right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that didn't even, that didn't even stand out to me. That's that's a good catch. Mm-hmm. Um, when uh, when. Uh, when Nigel's talking to his girlfriend back in England mm-hmm. and he's telling them to meet them on the tour, it was hilarious because he said, Oh, just take a plane to New York and, um, and then you could walk to, walk to Milwaukee from there. So <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not, it's not how geography works, but it's, it's funny mm-hmm. because uh, it, 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 it's another commentary on, on how close minded uh, or how it, out of tune to to the real world, you know. In Britain, it, you can you do in England. You take a train to wherever because mm-hmm. it's it's such a small country. Um, let's see. There was a there was a kaleidoscope music video when they were doing a flashback to the to the sixties. That 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 they were looking back at their band, um, and then it was a music video of them playing. And then there was this kaleidoscope effect where where all of these octagons were rotating around and you you looked at me like um like i don't know what you're talking about i know what a kaleidoscope is yeah so there was a scene the scene where that happened and, and you looked at me and like what is this and um back in back in the 60s there there wasn't all of the effects there wasn't these mm-hmm. huge stories music videos um that uh, that that had a story that wasn't just the band playing; it was just the band playing. Yeah. And then, um, and then, if they could figure out some sort of special effects, then they did that. And 
and uh, that was it. Um, D minor, uh, the song written in D minor <laughs> is the saddest key ever. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's another quote there too, too that 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 is used all the time that started mm-hmm. here with this movie. Yeah. Um, I had I th- I want to make sure that. Uh, oh yeah, there it is. Actually, uh, I had a note about that one too, where Nigel's piano medley D minor is the saddest of key all keys, and then he's playing this beautiful sad piano medley, mm-hmm. and then uh, at the end of it, uh, the director says, "So what? Um, that was beautiful. What's it called?" Say lick my love pump, <laughs> and so I was playing. I was playing a show in Atlanta at uh, I think it was David Buster's or somewhere, mm-hmm. and um, I switched over to piano and and I did a I just did an improv piano song. I do those a lot in my shows yep. where I just start playing, and it was a very very melodic piece, very soft, very very melodic piece, and and I completely completely had this movie in mind. Um, mm-hmm. Because somebody asked me at the end of it, oh, that was really that was really beautiful. What was that called? And I, I just said, uh, when there's blood on the ice, the urinals are overflowing. <laughs> just it's inspired by by this. Yeah. You, you take something really beautiful and then you just give it a stupid name. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, that scene where they were getting lost in the theater. The theater basement, mm-hmm. that is something I can relate to. It is very easy to get lost in a theater. It is. It is. Were, I don't remember. Were you on? Were you with us when we did the tour of... Uh, um, Anakin and I were in a show called... Wind, uh, what's it called? Tony and Tina's Wedding. Which was very similar to this movie, it, in it, fact. It, it was, yes. Uh, where you... you the, I, the idea of this show is... Um, it's an Italian wedding, but but all of the things that that fall out from there of of drugs and and uh, cheating and fights and mm-hmm. and all, all things like that. But as the cast, um, you we're given character descriptions and we're given how our characters know the other characters. And that's it. And then we build our character on our own. Yeah. And and it's an improv show, and it's also an interactive show. So you're interacting with the audience. You're talking to each other. No show is ever the same mm-hmm. because you you build off the the interactions you get with your audience. Yeah. And then that changes that changes how your scene is going, and then your your co actors. Or have are building off of that as well, and mm-hmm. the interactions that they're getting with their audience. So, yeah. so it was it was very, uh, it, it's a very interesting experience if you've mm-hmm. never if you've never seen it. Um, but Anakin and I got to be in that, and we um, we played a few different venues. A few uh, it was a mini tour, I guess, and we yeah. went to this uh, this old old theater in New West. What was it? what was it? The Colum- was it the Columbia? I think theater? that was the Columbia. Yeah, it was at the Columbia, and um, and we did the tour the first night of, of the theater, and there oh, were hated that it was beautiful, but but there were there were hallways and secret passages and places that mm-hmm. like stairs that went to nowhere and dead ends and yep. things that are blocked off from from the reconstruction and the retrofit and the green room was above the stage. Yeah, it was it was the weirdest uh, weirdest setup. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was like this. Where do we yep. go? Where, where's the show? Yeah. So um, there, there was a, there was one song. There was a, 
it says pod song. Oh, oh, the song where they're in those uh, in those pods, those alien mm-hmm. or primordial pods or whatever yep. they were. Um, they were singing. They were singing in harmonies on on that, like the these old old style harmonies. And it got me it got me thinking. Eighties metal bands, they would have had a solid music education mm-hmm. growing up. Um, it wouldn't. It's not like now where you just pick up a guitar and watch YouTube and learn how to play. Yeah. It's it's it's. You know, they played clarinets and bassoons and French horns and yep. trumpets and and learned theories and learned their fifths and 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 all of that and and at some point started uh, started playing rock, started playing metal, whatever. But but though that generation of rock musicians were were serious musicians, were yep. ones that that understood music. So with that, it's um, a lot of the, at least what I see is with any musician that, um, that didn't start after 2009, Mm -hmm. um, they, they played their music. They, um, it was amazing music. And then when you go and talk to them, they're extremely intelligent Mm -hmm. with when it, when it comes to music, um, when it comes to how it's made and really how it feels and all of that, like amazing stuff. Whereas now you talk to some of these, um, people, uh, some of these musicians who, um, come out of this, uh, like go big and then, uh, come out of like 2010 and beyond. Mm -hmm. It's, really just, oh, you know, it's all about the fans and everything, and they don't really go in depth of ha- um, what the the music makes them, how it makes them feel. Sure. Yeah. I don't know if that weird tangent was understandable, <laughs> but, um, yeah, just a lot of the older uh, older musicians are a lot more intelligent from what I've seen. Right, and they're they're making they're making real music, and they're doing it because because they love it and they understand it. Whereas I think to summarize what you were saying, mm-hmm. whereas now it's more of for the popularity, right, and just to to get people to to like them or, or it's heart heart their Instagram or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, so David's uh, David's girlfriend. Um, she was she kept adding her input during the meetings and and mm-hmm. causing problems with the band so that that was kind of a that was a a bit of a commentary i guess or or a nod to the beatles um yoko ono was was john lennon's girlfriend and mm-hmm. she she came in and did that she she wasn't part of the band, but but she would come to the band meetings. She would give her input and mm. cause a lot of problems between between the band and and I really I I'm not a bit I'm not a Beatles fan. I don't know much about their history. I, I just know a few things here and there, right. and I don't know if they ended up breaking up because of that or mm. not. But I know that there were a lot of problems, and, and yeah. people still refer to to Yoko Ono or or call somebody who breaks up a a group uh, as a Yoko. Mm. That's a, that's a term. Um, and then in another tribute to, to the Beatles, the, was the album cover, um, for, of smell the glove, how it came out. It was completely black. Mm. Uh, the Beatles had a album called the white album that was completely white. Mm. So that was, that was where that one came from. 
Um, and then there was a there was a bit the the absurdity of playing the the guitar with the violin. He pulled out the violin oh, to yeah. play the guitar. That was actually because um, I think it was Rolling Stones who pulled out a a violin bow to play his oh, guitar. Okay. So they they were kind of making a jab at that one. Um, yeah, it kind of reminds me of that. Um, the Mumford and Sons, uh, hopeless wanderer music. Oh my video. gosh. That is the best music video ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the mini Stonehenge, uh, with the measurements of 18, it's yeah. supposed to be 18 feet, but as he wrote down the, um, instead of the, uh, apostrophe, trying to remember grammar here, um, <laughs> Instead of the apostrophe, he wrote um, technically quotation marks. And yes. I, as someone who works, who does a lot of woodworking, mm-hmm. I looked at that. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, that's 18 inches. Right. <laughs> Which, I mean, I guess is um, the makes sense because British people and their metric system. <laughs> so um, they they continued using that when they went on tour. And for every stop, um, the Stonehenge was was different, or the Stonehenge hmm. size was, was an issue. Um, they on one on one show they they did it was too small, mm-hmm. and then it was it was gargantuan gargantuan. It's too big, and they had it stuck at the door like it couldn't get into the door. Hmm. And then another that uh, another they had the two pieces, two side pieces come down by themselves and then they were taken off and then the top piece came down <laughs> later. So that they kept using that as a running gag. That's funny. Um, a little bit later on that, uh, they went to, they went to six flags, um, or to what's now actually six flags, magic mountain. I had said it was great America, but I was incorrect. It looked like magic mountain. Yeah. They had, they'd gone to, to magic mountain and, um, they were doing doing a concert there, and it was it was a pretty empty concert. Yeah, uh, it was a it was an afternoon concert, and they were before the puppet show. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it reminded me of um, so back back in the days, and I don't know if they still do it or not. But we we would go to our, our church would go to Christian night at um, at Magic Mountain, and there would hmm. be a Christian band uh, Christian bands playing at the. Nice. whoever and they were usually pretty big name bands or ones that had been big at one time and yep. and a band that was really big in in the 90s like 94 95 called Jars of Clay. Oh okay. I remember going to see going to see them there at at that same stage at, that uh Spinal Tap was performing at. Yep. And they were they were not as big anymore as they used to, as mm. they used to be, and it was a very sparse crowd like that, and yeah. and it drove me crazy because half the show, um, the guy was a bit full of himself, but uh, but half the show he he instead of singing the songs that that people wanted to hear him sing, he held the mic out to the audience oh, and let them no. sing, and it was it was a large it was a large percentage of the show to the point where where. I lost all interest in the band at that, yeah. at that point. But, uh, but anyway, that was, uh, that was my experience. That's, it was funny because I saw that happen later mm-hmm. after, even after Spinal Tap. Um, so what did you, did you write any notes or think anything about the drummers? The spontaneous combustion? Spontaneous combustion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't write anything down, but I thought it was funny. Yeah. At the beginning, they said, uh, uh, David said, 
more drummers spontaneous or more people spontaneous combust than than you know of. It's just not widely reported. It's a mm-hmm. very common thing, <laughs> which is funny. And then they had they had one in their in their last full show. They had one combust, and then they showed like two or three more blowing up. And oh the, yeah, during the credit, I shows. remember that. Yeah. Um, let's see. I um, written. I wrote written by band and director. I have no idea what that means. Written by band and director. Oh, the movie was written by the band and director. <laughs> uh, I, re- I wrote that down because it, it said that at uh, at the end in the credits. Written by the band and director. Uh, said their names. Mm-hmm. But that was before I, I found out that the whole thing was improv. Oh, wow. So that's why they got writing credits for it because I they see. just made it up. Yep. Uh, the last note that I have and this might not mean much to you, but the waiter, uh, the mime waiter during the party earlier. I wrote that down. Did you? I did. Um, What'd you write? Did I not? I remember. Not Billy Crystal. No, no, no. No, Billy Crystal. While you're looking that up, Billy Crystal was one of the one of the waiters, and um, it's funny because we had just seen him the night before in Modern Family, and and Amy and I were laughing because we knew who we knew who it was, mm-hmm. but you had no idea who he was. And right. We were saying, "Well, he's he's from Monsters Inc. and Princess Bride, and you and and I guess he's from the next movie we were going to watch as well." <laughs> um, so. I remember writing that down. But apparently I didn't. Okay. Well, the mime waiter was Dana Carvey. Who's that? Garth from Wayne's World. Garth, Garth. Oh. So nice. that was a little a little bit that I I had never caught before. And, and if I didn't see the name, I wouldn't have known that because it was covered in clown makeup. Mm-hmm. So um, for me, that's the end of my notes. I don't know if you have anything left. That's pretty much it. Yep. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us with this viewpoints here. We're going to take one quick break and then we're going to be back with our closing stick around and you hear what's coming up next for the Barnes boys. Ready? That's it. Thanks for listening to the season finale of the Barnes boys. If you have any thoughts or memories about this movie or have a movie suggestion for us, message us at www.barnesboys.ca. So this ends season one. We'll be back in a few weeks after moving to our new studio location. Be sure to su- be sure to subscribe and get notifications of the next episode. Our theme music is written by Ryan M. Barnes. You can visit him at www.silvertruth.org. Have a great week. <laughs>